Section 61 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare. Mysteries of London, Volume 4 by George W. M. Reynolds. Section 61. The Nobleman and the Lawyer. On entering into the presence of Mr. Heathcote, the handsome visitor tendered his card, and the moment the lawyer cast his eyes upon it, a cloud passed hazily over his countenance, for he knew that Lord William Trevelyan, whose name appeared on that card, was an intimate friend of Sir Gilbert. He, however, composed himself in an instant, and, pointing to a chair, said, Be seated, my lord. The young nobleman accepted the invitation, and then observed, I have to apologize for intruding myself upon you. Not if you come on matters of business, my lord, interrupted the lawyer, in a tone which was intended to imply that his time was nevertheless very precious. I fear that you will scarcely consider my visit to be connected with business, in the sense you would have me infer, said Trevelyan courteously. At the same time, you will give me credit for the best intentions. Pray, my lord, come to the point, exclaimed Heathcote impatiently. I have a vast amount of work upon my hands, several appointments to keep, and my toilette not yet performed. In one word, sir, said Trevelyan, may I inquire if you have received any tidings concerning your brother, who is a dear and valued friend of mine? I have heard that my brother is absent, my lord, answered Heathcote coldly, but I have no control over his movements, and he is not in the habit of consulting me respecting his actions. At the same time, sir, pardon me, my lord, I have answered you, and I have not a moment to spare. But as your brother's friend, sir, his intimate friend, I do not know you, my lord, neither do I trouble myself with my brother's friendships. These last words were uttered so rudely, almost brutally, that the young nobleman's countenance became the colour of scarlet, and he felt that were the lawyer a man less advanced in years, he would have knocked him down for his insolence. I am aware, sir, he said, subduing his indignation as well as he was able, that I have no claim upon your courtesy beyond that which social conventions establish. But I regret to find that you should think it necessary to treat with such extreme incivility a person who has never offended you. Then wherefore does your lordship force yourself into my presence and persist in remaining here when I tell you that I am occupied with serious matters? demanded the lawyer, rising from his seat while his brows were bent in such a way as to render his countenance particularly displeasing and sinister at that moment. Serious matters indeed, ejaculated Lord William, also rising. Is it not a serious matter that your brother, your own brother, has suddenly disappeared? I have already told your lordship that I have no control over the actions of Sir Gilbert Heathcote, said the lawyer, and I am not to be forced into a discussion on any subject with one who is a complete stranger to me. I repeat, sir, that I am your brother's intimate friend, cried the young patrician indignantly. But I repeat, on my side, that you are no friend of mine, nor likely to be, responded Heathcote. Will your lordship therefore leave me to those pursuits which have better claims upon my time and attention? Better claims? And yet you must surely have some of the ordinary feelings of human nature, urged the nobleman, in a tone of mingled remonstrance and earnest appeal one more word if you please sir he continued seeing that heathcote was again about to interrupt him this matter is becoming serious for eight days has your brother been missed from his place of abode and from the circle of his friends 
an investigation into so mysterious an occurrence must necessarily take place and without delay too what will the world think of you sir you the nearest living relative of one who may perhaps be no more if you refuse your cooperation in this endeavour to ascertain what has become of him i will even go farther sir and declare that a certain degree of odium will attach itself to you young man by what right do you thus insult me demanded the lawyer completely unabashed and measuring lord william trevelyan from head to foot with his keen searching eyes do you for a single instant dare to assert that if my brother should have met with foul play as your words just now implied such a suspicion do you dare to assert i ask that the world would couple the slightest imputation with my good name though not of an aristocratic rank my social position is an honourable one and such as it is my own talents my own energies my own hard toils have made it but because i can see nothing extraordinary in the absence of a man who has no domestic ties to bind him to one place and who acting upon a sudden caprice or fancy may choose to depart from the metropolis perhaps because i behold nothing remarkable in all this and am i to be reproached vituperated and even insulted by you who adopt another view on the matter why my lord you are far more intimate with sir gilbert heathcote than i even though he is my brother and what would you say were i to repair to your house force myself into your presence refuse to leave when solicited and actually level the most injurious language amounting almost to positive imputations at your head i appeal to your good sense if you possess any to consider the impropriety of your conduct here this morning and to take your departure at once before you irritate me more deeply than you have already done i have listened sir with respectful attention to all you have said returned lord william trevelyan and i declare empathetically that i am not satisfied with your reasoning i impute nothing to you because i know not what suspicions to entertain in the case i frankly confess that i am bewildered not only by the fact of my friend's unaccountable disappearance but also by the manner in which you treat that circumstance you declare that you cannot bring yourself to look seriously on this disappearance surely it ought to alarm you when i who am so well acquainted with your brother solemnly aver that i have particular reasons for knowing that he would not leave the metropolis in obedience to any sudden fancy or whim without previously making a communication in a certain quarter to you i presume said heathcote fixing his eyes searchingly upon the patrician no not to myself was the reply but to another and that other observed the lawyer interrogatively for he now began to fear that trevelyan alluded to mrs jeffton in which case he might repair straight to her abode after quitting that office he might there meet the clerk whom he had seen on his arrival just now and he might mar the entire scheme that had been concocted for the purpose of inducing the lady to leave england unless you yourself are acquainted with that other person to whom i alluded or at least have some knowledge to whom i could so allude i am not at liberty to make any revelations observed lord william oh this is admirable ejaculated the lawyer reseating himself and appearing no longer in a hurry to break off the conference for he now perceived the necessity of detaining the nobleman as long as possible so as to afford green ample time to carry the deeply concocted scheme into effect you are pleased to be jocular at something sir said trevelyan biting his lip with vexation 
at an insolence which he could not chastise and leaning against the mantelpiece he surveyed the attorney with mingled anger and aversion yes i am jocular exclaimed the latter and i again declare that your conduct is admirable you come to me to aid you in investigating what you are pleased to denominate a most mysterious occurrence and by way of inducing me thus to cooperate you yourself start fresh mysteries and make enigmatic allusions to unintelligible matters concerning which you refuse to enter into any explanations there may be certain circumstances sir which a man of honour dares not reveal said lord william sternly and such is the case in the present instance you have therefore a positive proof that sir gilbert's friends were more in his confidence than his own brother replied the lawyer in a sarcastic tone and this is tantamount to what i told you just now yes sir but the circumstances to which i allude have no reference to the mysterious disappearance of sir gilbert heathcote rejoined trebleyan nor do they in any way relieve you from your responsibility as a brother but since you yourself are acquainted with some mysterious and unmentionable circumstances connected with my brother said the lawyer still in a tone of bitter sarcasm i have much more reason to accuse you of possessing a clue to the causes of his disappearance than you have to level the same charge at me now from your words for i am a man of the world my lord i naturally infer that the other person to whom you so empathetically alluded must be a lady i did not say so sir i gave you no reason for entertaining such an opinion exclaimed trevelyan fearfully of now compromising a matter of great delicacy but i choose to think so said the lawyer elevating his brows to an extraordinary degree while a malignant light gleamed in his restless eyes and is it strange is it unusual in the world for a man to absent himself suddenly and even mysteriously in order to break off a connection of which he is wearied and which no longer has any charms for him one word sir interjected trevelyan annoyed with himself for having made any allusion to his friend's connection with mrs sefton your brother has undertaken no sudden journey of that i am well assured would he quit his residence without leaving even a message behind him would he depart without even so much as a change of raiment without necessaries of the toilet pooh pooh ejaculated the lawyer now throwing an expression of sovereign contempt into his tone a man with money can purchase a carpet-bag or a portmanteau at the first town he stops at and can stock it well too with linen and hair-brushes for a few shillings really my lord you compel me to treat you as an inexperienced child who having got some wild a romantic notion into his head is determined to maintain it by any argument no matter how preposterous or far-fetched trevelyan bit his lip again for he saw that the lawyer had really an advantage of him now and he more than ever blamed his own indiscretion in having alluded to the affair of mrs sefton come my lord be reasonable proceeded heathcote in a conciliatory tone and i will pardon you the rudeness or i will rather call it the busquerie of your first proceedings with regard to me you cannot deny that there is a lady in the case i am far-sighted enough to have made that discovery well my brother is tired of her or has quarrelled with her or something of that sort and he has therefore taken a sudden trip heaven only knows where do you really imagine that if i had any serious fears i would refuse to cooperate with you in instituting the necessary inquiries 
depend upon it sir gilbert will reappear again shortly amongst his friends and he would not be over well pleased if he found on his return or if the newspapers wafted to him the fact that a terrible hubbub has taken place in consequence of his sudden departure i am a much older man than you my lord and i look at these matters more calmly more deliberately trevelyan knew not how to reply to these observations though they did not dissipate the alarm which he experienced in at the absence of sir gilbert yet he began to think that the lawyer was really sincere in giving utterance to them he on the one side was disposed to view the affair seriously heathcote on the other put his own interpretation on it and in the same way that trevelyan could not resist the impressions made upon himself he felt bound to allow the merit of equal conscientiousness on the part of the attorney at all events there was no utility in protracting the discourse and the young nobleman accordingly resolved to take his leave suspending for the present any opinion relative to the conduct of mr james heathcote i am sorry sir said he that i should have intruded so long upon your valuable time i am likewise sorry if at the commencement of our interview i should have been hurried by the excitement of my feelings into anything uncourteous or rude now that you speak in the manner that best becomes a nobleman and a gentleman observed heathcote adopting the part of one who has something to forgive and overlook i am most anxious to welcome you as my brother's friend will you step up into the drawing-room and honour my humble abode so far as to partake of such refreshment as at the moment i can offer you this proposal was only made with a view to gain as much time as possible for the lawyer in his heart had cordially hated the young nobleman from the instant that he had read his name upon the card i return you my best thanks sir said trevelyan but i am compelled to decline your hospitality on the present occasion thus speaking the young nobleman bowed and retired and the moment the door closed behind him the lawyer's countenance assumed an expression of such malignant triumph that it seemed as if he were suddenly animated with the spirit of a fiend green has got her off by this time there can be no doubt of that he muttered to himself as he rubbed his mummy-like hands gleefully together the woman loves my brother and she will start away directly even her vanity will not induce her to tarry to pack up all her things unless they are ready to hand for the love of a woman who is sincere in her passion rises superior to every other consideration oh i know the human heart well i know all its intricacies its ins and its outs the ravelings the unravelings of its smallest most delicate fibres it has been my business to study my fellow-creatures in order that i might make them my instruments my tools my slaves and i have succeeded he continued with a chuckling laugh while his brows were elevated with joy otherwise i should not be the rich man that i am now but if my wealth be already great it must be greater i must possess countless treasures riches beyond computation and until i have gained them i shall not be satisfied neither shall i cease from toiling the young aristocratic fool who was with me ere now he affected to bully me did he i got the better of him he affected to reason with me i beat him with pure sophism and he has gone away entertaining a better opinion of me than when he first entered my presence but i must examine these abstracts thoroughly he added still in a muttering tone as he bent his eyes upon the documents which he had been studying i must note every point in these copies of the titles by virtue of which my brother holds his estates for the management of these estates is already as good as my own hands 
and who knows who knows how soon they may be mine altogether yes lands messuages tenements ay baronetcy and all and as these last thoughts passed through his brain for he had not dared to give audible utterance to them there came such a diabolical expression an expression of dark menace strangely mingled with the confidence of approaching triumph over his countenance that had any one been by at the time the beholder must have dreaded lest that terrible man were about to throw off the mask of humanity and reveal himself in all the horrors of a demoniac nature we must however take leave of him for the present and return to one whose generous and noble character forms such a striking contrast with this bad designing man end of section sixty one recording by chad horner from ballyclare